a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. Thank you for joining us for Let's Get Moving. Today we are talking about the top five marital lies. And with me, Dr. Liz Hale, who is a marriage and family therapist. And Dr. Liz, first of all, the first thing that comes to my mind is we're in a loving relationship. Why are there lies? Aren't we supposed to be honest with one another? And these are lies that couples believe and we act on because we believe them, but they take on a life of their own and really destroy relationships. These lies, of course, they're not intentional, right, Maria? We just, we've heard them, so we believe them and we repeat them, but they get us off track and they divert us and distract us from what a relationship could be. So instead of challenging the lies and improving our marriage, too often we just use the lies as justifications for ending marriage, and that is heartbreaking to me. So are you ready to expose so, these lies? I'm ready. So now these are not truth? intentional lies. These are lies that we tell ourselves. So, right. And there's a difference. Okay, go ahead. So What's marriage, number one on that list? Marriage lie number one is marriage shouldn't be this hard. If it's this much work, then it's wrong, right? So do you want to know what's at the heart of that lie? Mm-hmm. It's that meant-to-be myth, which affects so many areas of life. You know, it's that myth that says, okay, if I'm on the right path and it's meant to be, it's going to be effortless and easy. Ah. A struggle means I'm on the wrong path. So if your marriage was meant to be, there shouldn't be any level of conflict or struggle, right? It would just work without it being work. But we discover this lie we're living and, and we're aware of the tendency to believe that the opposite is also true. So... If it's work, then it's wrong. Then if it's a struggle, if it's always a struggle, then it's right, right? That's also untrue, of course. But just struggling through a relationship or anything else in life is just not the answer. The struggle is not the point. Mm -hmm. The path to better passes right through effort and struggle. I don't know any other way, Maria. Right. You know, no pain, no gain is not just for diet and exercise. (laughs) No kidding. That is so true. Yes. Can we persevere long enough to get to the other side? that there, there would be something more satisfying and, and stronger. You know, that's, that was a difference for me between dating and married life. You know, you, when you date, you have struggles and relationships because we, we all have them. But through the blood, sweat, and tears, on the other end of it was, was not nearly as satisfying as it was when I was in the commitment of marriage. Then it made it all worth it, right? right? Because typically on the other end of struggle is a strengthening if we can just hang on to get to the other stu- to get to the other side. Yeah, sometimes we forget that phrase, uh, if it's worth having, it's worth working for. Mm-hmm. Yep, struggling struggle marriage and any relationship really is inevitable. But they take us to higher, better places. No mountaineer starts on Everest, right? They work up to it. 
they build their skills on those smaller challenges, on the lower mountains, if you will. Mm-hmm. So let's not just go through life. Let's grow through life together. I love that. You know, Carlos Castaneda, he had this great quote. It's, we either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. The amount of work is the same. Mm-hmm. Isn't that true? That is gonna, so It's going to be hard work either way. You want to come out on the other end miserable or stronger. When life is tough, I think the tough need to get going, but not out the door. (laughs) Into marriage counseling or a pastor's office or even to a well-established online marriage program. Just get going somewhere to make a difference. (sighs) Ready for marriage line number two? I am ready for number two. What is number two? We no longer make each other happy. Most couples tout that they're very happy when they first get married, right? They believe that happiness would just naturally always be there. And then one day, one of them says to the other, I'm not happy, and infers that it's the partner is somehow the cause of it. Is it really a partner's responsibility to make you happy, though? That would be my question. Absolutely not. So, but is marriage a source of love and joy? Yes. But your spouse can't and doesn't make you happy. Nor can you or must you make your spouse happy. It's an impossibility. But this is one of the major lies people tell themselves. And it's kind of insidious. I have to really catch myself sometimes when I, I do have a little bit of attitude sometimes like, well, what has he done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> has he made me happy? So I think we all have to really watch that. I really do. Most people want to be happy, right? Mm-hmm. We just tend to look for it in the wrong places, like a spouse or any other person for that matter. The lie is based on a bigger lie that happiness comes from something external. Something happens that makes us happy. You know, the two root words even share the word hap, which means luck and fortune. It just leads us to believe finding happiness. Happiness is external and by chance. We just buy into that belief every day, don't we? When we hit like buy on the internet (laughs) with some shiny new fancy gizmo. And then what happens? It comes in the mail and it distracts us for a few moments. And it's kind of fun. And we even get a hit of dopamine And then we return to our prior state and search for happiness continues. Yeah, you can never buy happiness. I know that's true. Isn't that, that is so, you're so spot on. To believe you're responsible for the happiness of another is also a heavy weight to bear. Some of us as women really feel that we're supposed to turn ourselves inside out for that. You know, we, we believe that, that lie. But we have no power to manage another's emotional state. So wanting to be happy is not the problem. Looking for happiness in, a, in impossible places is. There's an important distinction, I think, between seeking happiness from a spouse and seeking, seeking to bring happiness to a marriage. And it's the difference between getting and giving. So I think we all need to, as listeners today, ask, how can I bring happiness into my marriage? How can I bring even my best self into my marriage? And start by building your own life of meaning and purpose and finding your own sense of joy and satisfaction. Happy marriages are made of happy partnerships, happy partners to start with. But marriage can and does meet a number of needs, Maria, right? Mm -hmm. I'm so much happier married than I was single. We need those deep and intimate connections. We need to be known and we, we need to be accepted. Marriage offers us that stable place through the struggles and the successes of life. And when that deep need for connection and warmth is not met, it leads to the pain of a hurting marriage. But while we can't make each other happy, we can certainly make each other miserable. Have you been in a relationship that just makes you miserable? 
Some people might even be in a marriage where they're miserable. It doesn't necessarily have to stay that way. But we can do something today to get us unstuck. I hear people saying, no wonder I can't fix this thing. It's not my job to fix it. We're both, uh, you know, equally, we need to fulfill ourselves before we can make each other happy. That is true. That is so true. You know, sometimes I'll put up on the board one half plus one half equals one, right? Mm -hmm. But if you multiply, some religions say multiply and replenish the earth, right? We've got one half times one half. We've got a quarter now. So we're even less as a couple than we ever were as two halves. So the whole goal is to be a complete one where you are 100% accountable for yourself sexually, socially, spiritually, morally, financially, mentally. Both of you, one times one is, is one, is the whole. Isn't that a great mathematical equation? That is great. <laughs> Marriage line number three. I'm ready. We can never agree on anything. We're supposed to agree on everything, right? That's a lie. In fact, the research says that 70% of our conflicts are perpetual. They won't be resolved, but they have to be managed. So the lie here, bottom line, dear Maria, is that if we argue, we're broken. And that's just simply not true. The state of conflict can be resolved even if the conflict itself has no decisive resolution. Mm -hmm. Not understanding each other is the problem. Disagreeing is not. Sometimes we think, I've got to agree with this partner. Agreeing is not understanding. But boy, do we all want to be understood, right? Deep in the, just the, our core, we want someone to get us, just to hear us. You don't have to agree with me. But can you see me and try to imagine it from my perspective, Right. Right. I think every partner is saying that. So conflict in marriage, marriage again, is unavoidable because we have two different people from two different families and backgrounds with two different personalities and viewpoints. Thank goodness, right? Mm-hmm. I would not want to marry myself. No, and it makes us unique, and it makes the relationship more interesting. If you married someone you, just like yourself, you might be a little bored. <laughs> that, oh, isn't that the truth? Yeah. I certainly would. You know, it's not unusual to hear from a client this following statement, like, I don't have any arguments without, with anyone else in my life, only my spouse, right? I get along at work, at school, down at the gym, everybody likes me. This is a one relationship. <laughs> I, it's my source of conflict, right? We just don't seem to get along. And again, there's that lie again that if it's difficult, it must be wrong. Sometimes we just need the reminder that this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the most intimate relationship you will ever have. So you cannot compare it to any other. It's unlike any other. Right. And you don't have that relationship with the people at the gym. <laughs> you don't. You're not you going to have those away. same conversations or, you know. That's right. You can walk away from that person, right? Or end the phone call or leave the conversation. You can agree to disagree. We can't always do that in marriage. Mm -hmm. Sometimes something needs to happen. A decision needs to be made. A point of view needs to be understood. Um, a bill needs to be paid. So shift your perspective now that we're approaching Valentine's Day. Marriage is about creating a we. We are in this together. We are a unit. Don't give up on your perspective, your beliefs, hopes, and dreams, but pull both of those bundles together. Bring the best to yourselves. Bring all your ideas and talents and brainstorms to the partnership. So we're going to go from what's best for me, not to what's best for you, but what's best for us. Right. Let's face the difference together. So it's perfectly fine that we don't agree on most things. That's not the problem. Marriage lie number four, that marriage is 50-50. It's a partnership. Hmm. That's a lie. Some, some couples, when they come into the office and they're so proud of these 
egalitarian beliefs, right? They've constructed how things are 50-50 and he pays for some of the mortgage. I, you know, he pays for half, I pay for half. We split bills and groceries and utilities, but they don't realize that they've built this marriage on a lie. Can you think of any marriage vows where we have committed to say, well, I will, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I can't Let's think of any. Uh, the danger is in the measuring to begin with. If you're measuring, measuring everything. That is so true. And you know, the research, every time we measure, one spouse always believes that they are outdoing the other spouse in oh. the way of tasks. Isn't that funny? Oh. We all measure that I'm doing more than you are, every person. Marriage is not merely transactional. It's not about the balance sheet. It's a lie. This lie, 50-50, I think, Maria, causes more relationships to be sucked dry of love than any other. Hmm. Each person just plays smaller and smaller, right, to, um, to outmatch the seemingly small output of the other. Sounds exhausting. It is exhausting. And as noble as it sounds when we demand that marriage be fair and equal, we approach it from that comparison perspective. You know, what am I putting in versus what are you putting in? Now, I'll do this if you do that, right? But it is about we really have to bring all of me in and all of you in in order to make marriage thrive. It's, it's a bit like a sports team, right? Today I'm going to try and play my best, and today if you can't play your best, that's okay. I'll try and cover for you. We'll just do our best working together for the win. The goal is winning the game, not, not proving who contributed to the win of the game, right? We're going to try and do our, our best. I, you know, these couples sometimes – and, you know, bless them. I, I learn from them, and I'm so grateful for the honor of trust when a couple comes in. But sometimes we all get stuck into, okay, so who initiated lovemaking last time and who didn't? Who cleaned and who didn't, right? Who, who planned a date together and who didn't? And it just doesn't matter. It matters what, that we made love, cleaned the house, and had a date. <laughs> it doesn't matter who did what. We, we, we act as a, as a one. Yeah, we lose sight of that, don't we? Yes. Let's come at marriage the same way as based on a team. I'm blessed to be part of this team. You often hear that, right, from winning players this end of our football season. I'm blessed to be part of this team. I hope that we can all feel that way about our most important relationship, which is marriage. And then marriage, line number five is, you know, the Jerry Maguire quote, my spouse should complete me or at least meet all my needs, Right. You complete me. Do you remember that from that romantic line? Yes, and what a huge task that would be. (laughs) For someone or something to complete you, that means you must be incomplete. So, again, we're working from a deficit model, a need-based relationship, instead of a desire-based or a choice-based. We're expecting more of marriage than ever before, certainly more than our last few generations, right? The focus of marriage is now more about fulfillment and not just security and survival. I think we often call it the Michelangelo effect, where um, close partners can actually mutually shape and sculpt each other in the expansion process of self-growth. Again, is the opposite true? My spouse shouldn't meet any of my needs? That's also a lie. Of course, there's some very real basic human needs that are met in marriage. We need connection. We need relationships and intimacy. That's just built into our DNA, and without there. Without that connection, there are some serious consequences to our mental health and our emotional health. Healthy life, have you ever noticed that healthy life functioning, it's not a lone activity? Oh, yeah. We and we do don't that. want to be alone if we're married, right? Me, myself, and I? Yeah, it no. It doesn't get anywhere. It's, very, it's easier to be single. I can attest to that. There was no challenge in that. 
but it's the pressure and, and the impossibility of meeting a spouse's needs that makes a lie you must complete me such a dangerous lie. But while we can't, again, in closing, wrapping this up, we can't meet all of our partner's needs, but we can meet some of them. And a vital shift, again, is incredibly important. From what am I getting to what am I giving? And from how is my spouse loving me to how have I loved him today? How have I made my spouse's life more worth living? And if I haven't, I can change right then and there in that moment. Sometimes, Maria, I think that we forget the power that we each have individually. You or I could stop a complicated moment or a conflicted moment with our with our spouses by just repairing, by saying, you know what, this is getting heated. I love you. We're on the same page. I'm on your side. We're on the same team. Let's take a little break. Something, right, that repairs. Right. You've probably heard me say that. That's the biggest difference between mm-hmm. happily married and unhappily is that the willingness to repair. Right. Yeah. So instead of longing for a more perfect spouse, which we tend to get into sometimes, we can work to better perfect our marriage. Well, we will never be perfect. We can always be improving. improving. We can always find ways, I think, of, of doing better and being better as a couple. And you can start right today. I love that so much. Uh, Dr. Liz, before we let you go, though, I would like to get your perspective on Valentine's Day. There just seems to be a lot of myths just surrounding Valentine's Day, and that's the day where you there's so much uh, responsibility placed on partners to, you know, fulfill some, really, what is a commercial holiday. That's true. I love the first part of where you were going. There is a, there's a responsibility or a pressure on us as partners every day, every day. Valentine's Day might just be a very keen reminder, and it is commercial, but I think it is still sweet to acknowledge it with a letter, with a poem, with something sweet, tender moments together. But that kind of pressure and that kind of intensity should be every day in marriage. We have a responsibility when we take vows. We really do. So I love the reminder of Valentine's Day, taking the commercial side apart, remembering the responsibility and the accountability you have as a partner. I like that. I just think it's so important to really put the holiday in perspective and not make it about spending hundreds of dollars on roses or something else when just a sweet gesture can just mean even more. Mm-hmm. It's all about the meaning, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. Every day should be that same perspective of, of this is my Valentine, right? I made these vows and I've got to honor them. I love that. Thank you so much. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Happy Valentine's Day. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.